Hello and welcome to another episode of the VCDX podcast, a podcast focused on the VCDX certification with news, updates, advice and special guests. My name is Simon Long, VCDX number 105, and in this episode, we have an extra long common mistakes section where my special guests will share some of the common mistakes that they see regularly as a VCDX panellist in the hope that future candidates don't make the same mistakes as those who went before them. Here's a taste of what's coming up. You're going to show that you're a holistic architect. You know a little bit of MVCNS, so management, virtual machine, compute networking stories. You know enough to hold a conversation with an SME to get the design impacts and design to the end results. So it's almost better to remove that constraint even if it did exist and put the networking in your design where you have time to think it through and plan it and, and design it. And then when I was successful, I was filling the whiteboard continuously, you know, just continuously going through. And it, it allows everyone else in the room to go along the journey with you. Welcome to the news and update section. I'd like to kick off by congratulating some of the newly minted VCDXs that we've had since our last episode. VCDX number 286, Igor Zekovic from France for passing his DCV. We've got VCDX number 287, Kashuriko Nino from Japan, passing NV. And VCDX number 288, Phoebe Kim from the US, passing her NV as well. So congratulations, guys. Very well done. One other bit of uh, news we have in this episode is there is going to be a, an online VCDX workshop on February the 28th, which is a Friday. So for those of you who have been unable to attend some of our in-person VCDX workshops, this one is for you, it's online, so it's available anywhere in the world. Um, so to get yourself registered, I'll make sure I'll put the link in the show notes. So that's all we have today for the news and the updates section. You're listening to the VCDX podcast. Moving on to our guest interview. Who is this episode's special guest? Give me your name and your number. I'm Paul McSherry, and my VCDX number is 234. Well, welcome, Paul. Thanks very much for joining me. So can you let us Thank know like, which VC, VCDX certification tracks uh, do you have and when did you pass your VCDX? Um, I did the VCDX um, DCV, so Data, Data Center Virtualization, and I passed it probably 2016. 2016. Really? Has it been that long? I, I think I remember yeah, when you passed. <laughs> I know time flies, isn't it? So, yes. So, all right, cool. So, and just let us let our listeners know what what's your current role? Who do you work for, and, and what do you do? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, my current role, I work for VMware, and I'm a staff architect in the advanced customer engagement team. And what does uh, someone in the advanced customer engagement team do? Yes, yes. So, it seems to be a very <laughs> it seems, it just seems to be a bit of a mouthful at the moment. But um, it's a role which works in between. It's part of the customer experience org, which mm-hmm. works between PSO and escalation. So, we look to try and help customers consume technology mm-hmm. and make the most out of what they've already bought. Okay, so that's mostly post sales focus then. So, the customers already bought the products. They're maybe not entirely sure what to do next and and then you might go in and, and kind of point them in the right directions and help them out exactly yeah 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 so my focus is mainly v7 and hci mm-hmm. and it's um a, a lot of the work i've been doing is looking at um the day two operations of vcf and v specifically cool very cool that sounds quite a quite a good role is cool. it, do you get to travel a lot for that 
I travel around about 30%. I've been really lucky. I've got a really, you know, I've got a really nice team that we go across. So I'm global focused. So mm -hmm. I go all over the place. So it's been, it's, it's been a pretty, uh, you know, a pretty good ride over the last 18 months. So it's been cool. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Paul, I've invited you on this episode of the podcast to share some of the common mistakes that you've seen as a VCDX panelist in kind of in the hope that future candidates don't make the same mistakes as those who went before them. So I know we've discussed sure. this a lot in the past, so let's try and cover some of those kind of common mistakes that you've seen. Um, here we've got number one, ri risk management and mitigation. Like, so can you talk to us a bit about that? Of course, yeah. I think um, so. I've been I've been a panelist for about eighteen months now, and um, I think the whole thought process around the panel is to um, show your ability to design and show show how you can actually design in any way in any way possible. And I think a lot of the mistakes I've seen, particularly around risk management, is um, they'll say they've got a risk. They'll identify risk, which is good. The first piece is they'll, and then someone, a candidate would say, um, the business has accepted the risk with very little mitigation. So yes. at this, at this point, although the business is, yes, they are aware of it. If it all goes wrong as technologists or as architects, we want to try and at least have some miss, some mitigation. So either, even, even if it's as simple as someone logs on every day and checks it on day one. And then you look at automating that process with the standard operating procedure later. It shows that we're identifying the risk and we're also showing that we're actually looking to reduce the impact of our design choices. Yeah, no, I think it's a really good point. I mean, there's times where you work with the customer and often maybe the customer is well aware of the risk and that's they're fine with that. So they may not even look to find a mitigation option. But I think for your panel, for your defense, you probably need to think about that a little bit more than maybe that your customer did and think, okay, customer probably doesn't seem to care about it for whatever reason. What, what I should be caring about it, what should be the mitigations that I would put in place if my customer did actually care and want some advice there? So I think exactly. I think you're actually showing to the panel that if your customer, because it's this one customer you're actually giving your design on, mm -hmm. but when you go out in the field, you're kind of certifying that you'll do this for the types of customers that mm -hmm. might care. Yep, great point. Great point. Very common mistake. We see that very, uh, very, very regularly indeed. So number number two here, we've got too many constraints that limit the ability to show design expertise. Yes, I think um, so. I was guilty of this when I first put my when I put my docs in. I thought, right, I'll use the existing network. I'll use the existing storage. You know, I'll I'll mm -hmm. show how much I know about vSphere. And then I limited the area because you were going for, in my case, the DCV. You're going to show that you're a holistic architect. You know a little bit of MVCNS, so management virtual machine compute networking stories. You know enough to hold a conversation with an SME to get the design impacts and design to the end result. And I think by limiting the ability to choose storage, by limiting the ability to integrate in the platform, you're just not showing your design expertise. And is that, that's a limit to score. So the more constraints, in my opinion, the more of a um, the more of a rough ride you could get in a panel because mm -hmm. there'll be more there'll be more questions. But then it could be the opposite side. It could be something that you're really really good at, and it was a, a real constraint, and it gives you time to shine, you know, just to, you know, to actually shine. So it it's a balancing act for this one. But I think too many is um, the often thing I've seen. Yeah, and I think we talked about this a lot on the uh, in previous episodes that as a panelist we have areas that we need to score you down as, as part of the defense. And if 
your constraint was, for example, that you gave us, Paul, that the networking was already in place, you haven't kind of shown to us that you understand networking to a, a particular standard. So what we will then do is, in, as part of the, the design scenario, we will then start to dig down into the networking side of things. And that's when you have to kind of think on your feet. And for a lot of people, that might be fine. But for some people who may be not that strong on networking, can be quite daunting. So it's almost better to remove that constraint, even if it did exist, and put the networking in your design where you have time to think it through and plan it and, and design it. And then you might find that, okay, that it, that covers all of the, the scoring points that we need for networking. And we don't even necessarily cover that uh, in, a, in a kind of larger detail in the de, in the design side. So exactly. it's a really good point. Like constraining them is, is a nice way of kind of saying, well, I'm, I, I didn't need to do that. I'm not going to do that. But for us to be able to score you, we need to cover those points. So you'll end up having to go through that anyway. So definitely recommend try and remove those constraints, even if you have to make them up or, you know, because a lot of the time, I mean, I say the majority of customers I used to work with and I was in services, there was so many constraints around everything. People had bought hardware already in advance. They had a network that they wanted to use. So you almost had to just, okay, take a step back for your design, remove those constraints and design it how you feel would be best to design it and then go from there. I think so. Yeah, I think I think what I've seen, it, and it was true in my one as well, was that um, um, a a design is not going to be one hundred percent real life. It'd be mm -hmm. based on real life. It'd be based on real life requirements. But um, I think in the end, you are trying to show that you are you can do this for multiple customers. So from a certification point of view, you need to hit hit all the silos. Yep. Okay. So number three, not enough logical design. Yes, I think th th this is the one that I think this is one of my uh, most important things I gained from going through the process of being a VCDX is um, being able to take customer requirements and actually looking at a logical design rather than going deep dive to say which product will solve my problem. So I think the way I normally look at it was logical design is how a technology type person or an architect would take the business, the business need and then map it out so we could go to three or four different vendors and then the logical design will last a longer mm -hmm. period of time and we could go to different vendors and the vendor is the, the what what bits they touch what bits they configure is the physical design and i see a lot of people they go straight for this advanced parameter or this specific answer and they go looking in all the guides and uh, all i'm asking for is could you draw on the whiteboard how you communicate from one side of the network to the other side of the network. Yeah. Just in a, in a logical path. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't agree more. I mean, and, and this is not necessarily just in the the, the, uh, the defense. It's also in your applications and the documentation you submit as well. They're quite often exactly. the logical design part is missed in the documentation. And uh, so is the conceptual design to so that as well. And it's very much physical focused. Um, so we want to make sure that both in the design documentation and in the design scenario as part of the defense, logical design is always asked for. We want to be able to see that you can draw it. I mean, for me, the logical de design is way, way easier than the physical. So if someone asks me to do a logical design, it's just normally a few boxes on this on <laughs> a few boxes on the whiteboard and you're good. Um, yeah. I think some people over, over some people overthink it at that point um, when we just ask for a logical diagram. So that's exactly. a really good and point. I think this I think this in, in, in the real world, I think logical design when you're working as an architect is literally the most important piece because you're explaining, you're explaining the pathway 
between mm-hmm. the business and, and the technical solutions. So I think this is the bit where you spend a lot of time in, in the real world as well. Yeah, and I think that really goes into the next point as well, quite well, is the lack of diagrams both in the design documentation on the whiteboard for the defence as well. Like We just don't see enough people grabbing a pen and just drawing out a few boxes and connecting them with a few lines just to help illustrate something. Um, do you want to add anything yeah. more to that point? I think that's, I think for, uh, for me, when, when I wasn't successful, I found myself sitting in, I found myself standing in the room and then I went, oh no, I've got to draw a diagram because I hadn't actually got to that point. And then when I was successful, I was filling the whiteboard continuously, just continuously going through. And it, it allows everyone else in the room to go along the journey with you to develop the use case. And also it gives you the ability to um, pose questions. And it, from an architect's point of view, what I found was that it allows me to control the room. What I'm drawing yeah. The attention is on the drawing and I'm taking this, this, taking everyone through this journey. And from a presentation point of view, if, if presenting isn't your, isn't your thing and you're gaining that from the VCDX defense, it's something that you can practice. And then you can have designs in your head that you can just, just continuously walk through from a logical perspective and you, and you can rehearse that. And I think that's one that that's a really good, thing to a both the soft skills and the technical skills yeah and that's interesting because it all again it goes into the next point of um looking for a slide that answers the question that, that a panelist asked rather than you could literally just quickly grab a pen and, and jot it down on the whiteboard and i think that's something we see a exactly. lot of as well i think so i think think i know so again going through when i was not successful and when i was successful i i remember the day before my my successful defense so I literally went through on a on a, on a whiteboard, MVCNS, and literally every single logical. I, just, I could just memorize the logical side, but it wasn't that I was memorizing for the defense. It gave me such more confidence that they ask anything about mm-hmm. networking, I'd immediately just draw out the network, you know, logically, and then I could then work it out. I wouldn't be thinking which parameter is this because we're not, you know, there's only so much we can go through in the defense, and not only is it quicker. It gains understanding, but it doesn't. You don't have to keep looking in, or, you know, looking for specific areas. So it helps you score more points as well. Yeah, and I think sometimes when people talk about drawing on the whiteboard, they look they expect them to be like immaculate drawings and things. And I don't necessarily think if it's a part of a conversational piece, it doesn't have to be an amazing drawing because you're talking as you're drawing it, and it's just helping to for people to visualize what it is you're trying to get over to them. So you don't have to be an amazing whiteboarder to 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 kind of get used to doing this i'm not very no, good i know I that know, for sure i know i'm the same you know i'm boxes and that's about it you know matchstick men my boxes really? are never square though that's the problem <laughs> no that's my problem as well <laughs> i think the good the good thing is well with the lodge if you start drawing it gives the panelists more understanding of how you think as an architect mm-hmm, definitely. and it, you may i'm i may ask a question about networking and as you draw it out you've suddenly scored things in storage, management, security, availability, just by drawing that out and talking while you're drawing. I think that becomes, you suddenly don't realize how many opportunities you're losing by not drawing something out and speaking it as you draw. Yeah, yeah, and we're also looking for uh, the person to be an architect as well, to lead the conversations. And if they're not comfortable in going to a whiteboard and, and discussing and leading discussions, then that's something that can 
get you marked down on as well. So it's very important to to show that you can do that part as well. And if you don't do it, we'll normally ask you to do it at some point as well. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. All right, Paul, last last point. I would use this tool, example, VROps or VRNI, without the how, why, and impact. Yes, I think this goes, I think this is very similar to risk, to the risk mitigation is, um, so you've, you've identified a risk, which is really, really good. Mm-hmm. And you've gone through, and then the actual mitigation is, I would use VROps to do that. And then I think this happens a lot in the real world where someone would buy VROps or buy a management tool, just, just not just out of any tool of any vendor. And they don't really go through how to operationalize mm-hmm. that tool. Yeah. And so to understand is you're relying on this tool for your design. What What's the SLA around that tool? What Who's who's going to use it? What's the operational model around that tool? And how can you do that? And I think normally um, if I'm given that may, maybe once, it's fine, twice or the third time, I'd be asking more around how much do you actually know that tool and if it's fit for purpose to meet your design to customize your yeah. solution. Yeah, and I think if... if- the, the architects have used their products before so specifically like um, VROps is it is very powerful tool but you do have to customize a lot there's there's some great exactly. dashboards out of the box but ult- I find well when I was using it it didn't always cover the things that I needed, necessarily needed to cover so I would try and then create my own custom dashboards to show the metrics that I was trying to measure so quite often someone would say yeah I'm going to use VROps for monitoring and I say okay tell me about the dashboards that you configured and often they haven't necessarily thought that far ahead they're just going to use this tool but they, often out of the box it doesn't do what they need them to do so it's just kind of they just almost like buzzword bingo at that point just to just to kind of tick a box it does feel like that sometimes yeah it just it's it, it's a catch-all answer where mm-hmm. it could be as simple as oh that design risk i'd have a um a power cli script running that that could suffice mm-hmm. it may not be operational scalable but it would it would be showing the logic of you know the risk design impact mitigation and then an operating procedure to do it, where it just saying VOOps doesn't really show how your design mind is working for the architecture design. Yeah. For you know for that you know you know for that piece of the work. No, Paul, there are some really good points. So thank you for uh, for joining me on this episode. So before we go, we have some well, regular regular closing questions. So. First one is, what was the most enjoyable part of your VCDX certification process? And and also follow that by the least enjoyable part. Okay, yeah, I think in the most enjoyable part of the of the whole process to me was um, really going, was getting out of it the, um, the conceptual, logical, physical uh, method. So even now today, mm-hmm. I use that every day. And understanding to going through from this method that works everywhere. You know, I know now that when I go into a room with any customer, and it can be anywhere in the world, and it not, it's not always about DCV, it could be about NSX, it could be about anything, any new technology, I can literally go through that, that whole process and it changed completely how, you know, how I work. Yep. And I think going through and spending the time to do it was really worthwhile. And I think the, le- the least enjoyable part, I think that would be, um, yes, it is brutal. <laughs> Yes, it is failing, mm-hmm. but uh, I think um, I think the least enjoyable part is once I think I preferred to fail and then pass rather than pass first time. I know that sounds silly now, but not at yep. the time. But I think I learned a lot more. But I took an honest look of where my gaps were, mm-hmm. and then I realizing how much I had to fill in. But it was it was a good process overall. Yeah, it's a really good point. Okay, last question of the day. 
Knowing what you know now, if you could go back in time, back to when you're preparing for your VCDX, what piece of advice would you give yourself? Other, other me, than knowing think, the rubric. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'd love that. Good. <laughs> I think the number one piece of advice that I would have is um, to make sure that the documentation is the absolute best quality you can do mm -hmm. and is fully representative of who you are as an architect. I know that when I put mine in, I thought once I get into the room, I've passed that bit. Yeah. And I think knowing what I know now, I think it gives you so much more preparation to have, not only, not only to have to study your design, but to have that design the best that you could possibly have. Yeah. Unfortunately, that takes time, doesn't it? It doesn't happen overnight. It does. It does. Exactly. And that's why I, you know, I gave myself deadlines and I put it in by that point. And yeah, you know, they, that you live, you learn. Yep. Great piece of advice there. So, Paul, how can people find you and follow you on the internet if you want them to? That is, yeah, no, sure, yeah, sure, yeah. So, I've got a blog. I've got a blog called uh, called www.elasticsky.co.uk, and I'm also on Twitter at pmacshawi. Perfect, Paul. It's been a pleasure Thank having you, you on. Sorry, it's taken us so Thank long to so get much. this scheduled. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been busy, isn't it? It's been a busy, uh, busy end to the last year and busy start to the new year. But I'm glad we managed to find this small amount of time to get you scheduled in. But we'll definitely have you back on in the future. Um, Thank thanks you very again. Much. Appreciate it. And uh, take it easy. Cheers. Thanks, Simon. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for in this episode of the VCDX podcast. Again, thanks to my special guest, Paul McSharry. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please be sure to subscribe, follow me on Twitter at SimonLong underscore, and share this podcast with others who might find it useful. I'll speak to you all again soon.